0: Want to say Merry Christmas to everybody? Am I the only person that listened to Christmas music on the way here? You should repent. Yeah. Um, we've lost five minutes already, and that's mainly my fault. So I apologize. Uh, let's pray, and we'll just get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we are grateful and thankful. That you have brought us here together, uh, that you have put us together as a family, we can come together and worship you in unity. Um, we ask, Lord, to uh, illuminate our minds. We need your help. We are desperate for your help to understand you, uh, your attributes that you've revealed to us. So I ask that you would be gracious and um, help us to understand you, so that we can um, live more accordance in with uh, more accordance to your character uh, and your nature. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, really fast review. We talked about, we already went over the holiness of God, uh, the righteousness and justice of God, the sovereignty of God, the eternality of God. Correct? We didn't go any further than that, right? Okay. Okay. Today, we are going to start with the immutability of God. Who can tell me what that is before I put the definition? The immutability. He does not change. God's nature and purposes never change. Uh, It is not so with us. We change all the time. Even right now, your body chemistry is changing. Tomorrow, you'll be slightly different than you were today. Happens to all of us. That is not so with God. He, his nature and his purposes never change. Let's look at some scriptures. Malachi 3:6 doesn't get much clearer than this. For I, the Lord, do not change. Pretty straightforward, right? Uh, Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You want me to speak louder? <laughs> Somebody's kid is being loud. Uh, <laughs> disqualified. Uh, for I, the Lord, do not change. <laughs> James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Hebrews thirteen, eight, even the Son um, does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now I'm going to if we have time, I'm going to raise a question that will cause you to reach back into the deep recesses of your mind, into church history and some significant disputes there has been over the person of Christ. The nature of Christ, but we'll see how, how it, we go. All right, so this is something that I hadn't considered before. Maybe I had thought about it but never really thought about it. You know what I mean? You might have heard uh, some of these things brought up at some point, but there are log- logical reasons why God must be immutable. Can anybody think of one? I'm, I know most of you are smarter than I am, so it wouldn't surprise me. That is true our salvation does depend on it But think about the other characteristics other attributes of God That would demand his immutability logically chaos. chaos would ensue if he Was not stable change necessitates chronology in order for change to happen you must be bound by time when we change it happens at a specific point in time if i lost my arm five, 5 minutes from now 5 minutes and 1 second later i would be somebody with 50% less arms and it happened in a specific it happened in a specific point in time right but if God is eternal, which we already, we know that he is, then he is incapable of changing because he is not bound by time. Chronology does not exist unless he is interacting with his creation that is bound by time and space. I just thought this was interesting. This is not even in the book. Uh, change negates perfection. We know that he is perfect. He always does what's right. He knows everything, Right? Uh, if he were lacking something or became less of what he was, that would imply that he was not perfect. But we know that he is. So logically, it follows that he, he must be unchanging. Which then goes to say, like I brought up time, change conflicts with his omniscience. If he learns something, he is not omniscient. If he somehow, in five minutes from now, gained knowledge about you that he did not have before, he would not be omniscient. He would be changing in that his knowledge has increased. Or if he was somehow less just towards somebody, um, he would have lost some aspect of justice. Therefore, he changes. So just thought that was interesting. Never really thought about it before. Um, so Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and he will not do it. Will he not do it or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? What is the obvious implication of this verse? It's in bold. He doesn't change his mind. OK, pretty straightforward, clear. But in Genesis 6, 5 through 8, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So that the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God created everything and it was it was good. Now he's like, oops, maybe it wasn't so good. I sure regret making those people and stuff. I must have been wrong. Also. I will blot them out of the land. He didn't do that. So he must have changed his mind, right? How do you reconcile that? Anybody? Or can you think of any other situations where it appears as though God has changed his mind or regretted? Hezekiah, that wasn't one of my examples, so expound. he would already have known. I'm Unless he was not omniscient. Right. Yep. What was it with Hezekiah? God told his prophet that hezekiah would die god decided to give him just decided to give him 15 more years
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe on a surface level, that looks like a God changing
0: his mind. Mm hmm. Yeah. Please, God, don't kill your people. Okay. God wishes, that none would God wishes desires that none would perish. Okay. Other, a couple other uh, instances I thought of Ab- Abraham pleading for Sodom. God, if there's 50 people. All right. If there's 50. But what if there's 45? I mean, he starts whittling it down, and God says, okay, if there's 45. Okay, if there's 40. Okay. And it seems as though God is relenting to Moses' desires, right? Jonah calling out against Nineveh. In 40 days, I will destroy Nineveh. Didn't happen. There was no condition. He was not told to go tell them if you repent you won't be destroyed in 40 days I will destroy you in 40 days How do you reconcile these things? Uh, If you would like to say something, you need to be seated with the rest of the class. Um, There are two terms that I taught to the children last year, which they probably don't remember a lick of. Um, Two theological terms. Well, they're not only limited to theology, but anthropomorphism and anthropopathism. Anthropomorphic language is when we... Anthropomorphic language is when we attribute characteristics, human characteristics, to God that he cannot possess. Right? God stretches out his right arm. He's spirit. He doesn't have an arm. Right? He sees everything. He doesn't have eyeballs. Or he sits. He is a spirit. He cannot sit on a throne. Right? And then anthropopathism is when we uh, attribute uh, or ascribe um, emotions, emotions um, to God that He cannot possess. Okay, so these are this is God's condescension to humans. He is using language that His finite creatures um, can understand, so that they can better um, understand His infinitude. We cannot wrap our minds around some of the things that he is. So he uses baby talk. R.C. Sproul would say it's it's like baby talk. When we're talking to a little child, we say, Hmm, eat your num nums. That's not all that intelligent. But it does it does enable them to understand. If I tell a child, you need to properly masticate your physical nourishment, he's gonna be like, What? Right? So you like that one. So in the so in the same way, God is using this 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 language to enable us to understand something about him. Okay? So when God is relenting or changing his mind, he's just showing or or for Jonah and us, he's showing us in the story of Abraham or Hezekiah, he's revealing to us. What about him? He's merciful. Or he's not omniscient. And he's not sovereign. He didn't see these things coming. So while it appears. If you've never had to defend this. To anybody before. These alleged contradictions in scripture. uh, It's something to think about. Something to maybe uh, process a little bit more. It. God does not change even though at times it appears that he does He is immutable What application does god's immutability have on our salvation Think about malachi What did I just read malachi 6 8 Or 3 6 malachi 3 6 What implication does it have on our salvation? on his eternal promises he made a covenant with israel he's made a covenant with us and it is sure it is an assurance that he is not mutable like we are we change our minds according to something we ate or the way somebody treats us if your salvation was up to another human being you would have no assurance whatsoever Thankfully, God does not change. What effect does it have on an unbeliever? God's immutability gives us assurance that we will be saved. For an unbeliever, They can be very assured that the wrath he promises will happen. It is. Quite popular today. God is all loving. Which is not in the Bible. Why would he eternally torment somebody? I just can't. I just can't. I can't fathom that. My Jesus wouldn't send anybody to hell well he said he would and he will does not change true right
1: yeah i mean one area there many many religions to an extent Is, mm-hmm. is true. Is it sure? Um if we define believer as like believing
0: in any type of set religious. Someone who says they belief. believe. Uh, but yeah, they say like there is no God, is that the only type of non believer who doesn't believe in there's uh, False believers, true. yeah. All right, on to the next, unless you have anything else to add. Again, we may not have time at the end to just chat about this, so if you have something you want to say, squeeze it in as we go. All right, the omniscience of God. Who can tell me what this is? This one's going to be fun. He is all-knowing. God knows everything. God knows absolutely everything. 1 John 3.20 For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. There's no except or but at the end of that sentence. There's just a period. Psalm one forty seven five. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. There are no boundaries to what he knows. To his understanding. There are no limits. You cannot measure it. It is beyond measure. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times. Things not yet done. Before anything ever happened, he knew what the end result would be. He knows everything in between. What's that? Yeah, Finality of all things. There is nothing he does not know. I knew that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> right. He knows what you don't know. Yeah. Yep. Right. He's not bound by that. I hope we have time to get back to that. I really want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So God, right? Nope. Let's wait till the <laughs> end. Nope. Let's not. That's what I want to talk about. Let's wait. I don't, I'm not sure if we'll have time for it yet, but. Um, um, so as I was thinking about omniscience this week, I looked out the windows I was driving and um, I, I thought he knows everything that I don't know. And so I thought, well, let me think of some stuff I don't know. So I picked the first thing I looked at. It was grass. Um, and I started thinking about all the things I don't know about grass. One subject, one tiny little fragment of reality, okay? Grass, right? How many, what is the average number of blades of grass in a square foot of that lawn? How many blades of grass can a caterpillar eat in a year? How many molecules make up a single blade of grass? I I mean, you could literally ask questions like that after after question, after question, after question, after question, and I don't know the answer of any of them. You could do the same for a chair, or skin, or people, or Christmas lights. That is true, but do you know what the number is? And how many are in each state, in each county, How many people put them up before Christmas? How many don't take them down? down? But you see where I'm going. There is an infinite number of things that we don't know. And God knows absolutely every single one of those answers to the questions. That's crazy. Like, I was just, it was making me feel very stupid. I am. I'm very ignorant. Yes. And that should serve to excite
1: us uh, and make us anticipate heaven because I'm sure I'm not the only one who probably thought, you know, after
0: a couple thousand years, I'm probably going to get bored playing the harp. Mm hmm. Ever. Uh, one thing, just since you said that, one thing that I cannot wait to know. I don't care about speculations. I want to know. No. <laughs> but related, related. I want to know who Melchizedek is. It kills me that we don't know. He's the king of Salem. We. You know what I mean. I want I want to meet him and I want to know, oh, this is you that I've read about and it was bothering me for so long. Anyways, God knows all of that. He knows who Melchizedek is, obviously. Um, how does God's omniscience affect your view of your own sin? It humbles you. He knows absolutely every single one of the sins you have or will commit. He knows the state of your heart when you did it. He knows every command that you did not obey to the fullest.
1: Yeah? Uh, and
0: hopefully there's a gratefulness because then we go, wait, God chose to die for us even though I just didn't have it. Even though He knows. And He knew I would. Yeah. What does it mean? Yep. Fear and gratefulness. Knowing that He knows every single one of our sins. How does God's omniscience relate to His perfect justice? I think Daniel already basically said it. Oh, sorry. Knowing all of our sins, he can still be perfectly just. Yes. He knows the appropriate level of judgment for each sin. How should uh, God's omniscience affect how you think about God's caring for us? Not Not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge of it. He knows um, He knows when you're hurting. He knows when you've been hurt by somebody else. He knows what is all balled up in those emotions. He knows when you've been let down. He knows when you've let someone else down. He knows when somebody... Um, Has lost someone they care about And he cares about all of those things Sometimes we I, I know sometimes we feel Very isolated when we're going through Something difficult or we've been hurt Or We are in need And we can feel Very isolated but it is very Comforting to know that he knows Every aspect of everything we're going through. And that he does care for us. Right? Even though nobody else might. Anything else before we go on? The omnipresence of God. Who knows what it means? But everybody knows what it means. God is everywhere present. There is nowhere that He is not. I can't even be in two places at once. What's that? Yeah, he is every time present, being that he's not bound by it. Eternal, yeah, he's eternal. Uh, But you would say in our historical timeline, is he also present in, in 1915? I would say yes, being that he's not bound by it and he only interacts with us in time. But this is a pretty good summary. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God is everywhere. Proverbs fifteen three: The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Psalm 3313 to 14, the Lord looks down from the heaven, from heaven, he sees all the children of man from there, from where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. Jeremiah 23:23 and 24, am I God at hand? Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? declares the lord god is in heaven and he is here he doesn't just sit up there and watch things unfold he's here with us interacting with creation some people don't believe that he just got things spinning and he's just up there hanging out waiting to see what happens That's not what Scripture teaches, thankfully. How does God's omnipresence affect you? He is everywhere at all times. Um, Jonah seemed to know God well enough to be a prophet. Um, But he acted as though he didn't know that God was omnipresent or omniscient. Yeah. Um, One of the things... Side note, one of the things that I love about the story of Jonah is that he also knew very well that God was merciful, which is why he tried to pretend that he wasn't omnipresent and to run away. He told God, I knew you were merciful. I knew you were going to do this, not kill all these people. But, I mean, on a daily basis, we probably all act, as if we didn't realize that he was everywhere and knew everything. He's there when we uh, speak to our wives when nobody else is. He's there when we are on the Internet. He's there when we are at home alone thinking about other people. When we are talking about other people. When we're not doing what we know we ought to be doing. He's always there. We act as though he's not. I I do at least. Maybe you guys don't. (laughs) And it gets harder and it gets harder to remember I I already have the I don't remember what I did yesterday um, but yeah I mean we go through life not knowing That he's there to the extent that he's there, you know, he's intimately involved In everything we do all the time And it's not till maybe never we recognize a lot of the things that he where he was uh in in the things that we've experienced what does it mean that God is near? He's in heaven. On his throne. But he's also near, he says. Should, what, what does that mean for us? Is breath away? Mm-hmm. Intimacy. Intimacy. man upstairs. Jesus promised that he would be with us even to the end of the age. Are there any limitations to God's presence? See with theological stuff There are some people Some people want to do things black and white Cut and dry There are senses in which you can say something is True and not true Right On the last day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats Right And he's going to say what Depart from me I never knew you, implying you're not going to be in my presence. Okay. However, in Revelation, those who are being tormented day and night. It will be done to them in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. So. In one sense. No, there are no limitations to where God is. However, in some sense, there must be. Just something to think about. He he will be there. Apparently, according to Revelation, the presence of God will be in hell. He is everywhere. But the implication of being separated from God must mean his favor in his his grace. Because right now, wicked people are experiencing the grace of God. But then they will not. They will not be completely separated from him but they will be not receiving any measure of grace right now, like they are now. Yep, justice will be served. It's good for us. And he does some people he is merciful to some people and doesn't let them pile up the sin Yeah The omnipotence of god man Stinking clock Somebody push it forward. What is the omnipotence of god? He is all-powerful Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of your hands can be thwarted. Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 18.27, but he said, Jesus, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God can do everything. Uh, when you stop to ponder God's power, what is your response? He can do anything and everything. We certainly never attribute to the power of God what we ought to, to the extent that we should. I mean, look at our society. People who can jump kind of high are paid millions of dollars. Ooh, you can jump. And they have to be tall, yeah. You can do things. You You can run fast and make millions of dollars, and these people are idolized. They can do nothing compared to what God can do. He doesn't have to exert any energy to dunk a basketball. None whatsoever. Anyways. How should God's omnipotence affect you in times of trial or need? This would be similar to his omnipresence and his omniscience. Right? We we need things. Uh, we are incapable of helping ourselves but it should comfort us to know that God can do anything. Are there any limitations to God power, God's power? Is there anything that God cannot do if he's all-powerful? Sin. Many things God will not do. Can God create a rock so heavy heavy that he can't lift it? So whoever, I can't remember who came up with that question. Um, They probably thought they were being very witty or philosophically superior. But it's a dumb question. Not because Aaron said it. Right? God can do all things that are in accordance with his character and purposes. God cannot sin. God cannot create a rock that is too large for him to pick up. That would be stupid. That would contradict his omnipotence itself. It's logically ridiculous. The love of God. Oh, how many minutes do I have left? Negative Negative two. I still have three. I can do it next week. Sorry, guys. I'm the worst. Sorry. All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you and we glorify you. We extol you. Uh, We are humbled by you. You can do all things. You know everything. You are everywhere all the time. You do not have the limitations that we have. So we praise you and we thank you for being near to us. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you rule over all things I ask, Father, that you would strengthen our faith. Cause us to meditate on you and your attributes every day. So that we would praise you more. And so that we would trust you more. Lord, I ask that you would now prepare our hearts as we uh, receive your word being preached to us. Give us minds that are uh, soft and pliable. We can understand in our hearts that they would love your word and love to hear your word being preached. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.